film sucks Indie film sucks It's the Indie Film Sucks St. Louis from a basement on South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks Podcast. Because Indie Film still continues to suck. It sucks. <laughs> okay, ask it. Uh, what's your suck? What's your suck, Gregor? Oh, uh, you motherfucker. <laughs> All right, Gregor, what's your suck? Start off with oh, you. man. Usually, oh. See, usually you guys just go off my suck and go, yeah, Brock, well, you, exactly. that does suck. So you know? you looked at that me. reminds me of the time. It sucked for me real bad. <laughs> you gave me the evil eye. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Chris? Uh, man, what was my last suck? The time? Yeah, wow. <laughs> the whole podcast. And the whole podcast went off on that <laughs> one. Sucked. It was a good one, but. Yeah. Oh, uh, my suck is lack of money uh, for, for pretty much everything. You know, lack of money for our podcast. <laughs> lack of money for our, our wonderful studio. Money just greases the wheels of so many things. It, you can do everything yourself. You can write, direct, edit, act. You, you can do it all yourself. But man, when, when you have just enough cash to pay people, my God, it just makes it so much easier. And that's the grind of, of indie film. And when you start out, almost everyone starts out with no money. And they're just doing it because they love it, because it's fun, and it is. Man, you just don't realize how goddamn hard it is not having the resources. It's so much easier when you can just throw a thousand dollars at a location as opposed to begging and pleading. Yeah, we've it, done both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Very not true. above either. Very true. What do you got, Brock? I'm thinking about something that doesn't suck. Okay. Our intro rocks, man. No, it is. It's, it's really, it's <laughs> Tommy really killed it, dude. Yeah, no, he nailed it. Indie film sucks. I, my son was walking through the house. Slinging it? <laughs> yeah. I was talking to him about it. He goes, Indie film sucks. Podcast. Yeah. I was like, that's awesome. My wife thought it was me singing. Really? I was like, I can't sing that well. Just uh, full disclosure, I, I wrote that and then I texted. Yeah, it's like four lines. My tex- <laughs> I, I, I texted at the time. My friend Tommy, he is, I've known him for 30 years. Uh, he's a musician. He's a graphic designer. He's designed all of our posters, I think, except for Amphetamine. Real talented dude. His old band was called Dumb Luck, and that is the in the Gregaverse or the eighty-eight millimeter verse. That is our our beer. Yeah. Almost every movie has Dumb Luck beer. It's it's all based on his old band stickers, which look like a fucking beer bottle. It looked <laughs> like a beer label. That's good. And I'm like, dude, that looks like a label on a beer bottle. And so that's that's where Dumb Luck beer comes from. No, it is. It, Brock, you're right. It is so catchy. It's catchy, it is. man. It's a, it's, it's a good catchy. song. So if you find yourself singing it, blame Greg and Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> but good job, Tommy. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, my suck. Uh, see, I, you're right, Brock. I'm going to go money. But it's not about the money, like, for production and stuff. Do you it's, have an original thought in your fucking I, head? I, I do, and you'll hear it a little bit later. You'll hear it just, just in a little bit after you speak. He always goes last with the sucks. Because <laughs> I'm smart. Uh-huh. All right, let's hear it. And I wasn't thinking of this until he said it, but it's it's the nickel and diamond for everything else for Phil, right? I got when we raised money for the film. I got what that was going to go to, and we got what we got. Mm-hmm. But it's everything else. How much is the new phone we're going to buy? 40 bucks? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did what else? Did I, we just picked up a new mic. That yeah. was something else. You know, it was, it's, so it's all that little stuff that, man, it's that little small money that's just constantly, and 
managing the bank accounts and, you know, trying to keep everything square for the accountant and, you know, everything else is just... Well, anyway. wait, wait till we send it to festivals. Every festival, unless you get get them to waive it, they want a fee. Right. Yeah, and that's there's a little way of bankrolling. And they got to make a profit. I get it. I get it all. But, you know... Yeah, it still sucks when you spend 50 75 bucks and you get that rejection email what's even worse is when you spend that 50 75 100 bucks whatever and you don't even hear back from the festival right that, that oh my god i didn't know that happened oh yeah happened oh, plenty geez. it's like wow what did i give you 75 bucks for you at least could have said wow sorry you suck ah that's all it's that's grim all it's all grim <laughs> that's all i got greg i want you uh tell us why we came up with red knight at skies okay we've talked about this a little bit before how we wanted to have an action horror film we wanted to have essentially one location we wanted to have a name actor we wanted a sellable genre all this came in the wake of covid and cruiser our boxing film falling apart the next film i i wrote because brock's been my my business partner for what 11 years now Cruiser was the first 88mm film that you were the star. You've always been supporting cast and everything mm-hmm. else. My first thought was, when Cruiser fell apart, whatever we do next, it, it's got to be another vehicle for this guy right here. It's got to be another vehicle for Brock. That was my goal in mind. Okay, whatever the hell I'm writing, it's going to be another starring role for Brock because it's like we put all that effort into right. Cruiser. You trained to be a fighter, a, a legit fighter for two years, and then for that just to be gone... We can't just pivot to something else entirely different. Like, we can't make another mockumentary. It's got to be a a similar-ish story and a similar-ish character. So that's what drove me in writing Red Knight. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chris. No, no, thanks, man. I appreciate that for real. I really do. No, it was the right, it was it was it was the right script at the right time, and it it had to start Brock. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. We went in production on that in October of 2021. We tried a year before then, though. Yeah, we did try a year before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. COVID shut that down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we started, we were going to go into production sometime in 2020. And, and I'm glad it got delayed for Me multiple too. reasons. No, it, again, we seem to do things right, and the world just seems to kind of give us that break. It really does. I think I think we would have made a major mistake going into. Oh, I know that. we would have. Yeah. We we didn't yeah. have enough money in place, and right. the script needed more work. And we didn't have Bill on board one hundred percent. No, we didn't. But I also think we were drowning in the rules SAG were putting on us too. Oh yeah, the, I mean the, the COVID, COVID rules, rules yes. were, were really... killing us because we were we were trying to make it work, and it's like this is adding $10,000 here and this is adding $15,000 there. And it's like, man, this, these costs are just adding up. There's no way we're going to be able to, to do this. It's like, we're already spending this much money and now we're piling more costs on top of that, man. We, we got to wait. Yeah. We couldn't come up with the extra production money no. during COVID. It, yeah. And it wasn't like five or $10,000. It was getting to be three and $50,000 by, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and just money that, I mean, was necessary for the, for the protections and the protocols and all that, but it wasn't adding shit to the production. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're adding $50,000 worth of production value. Exactly. We're just adding just cost. So we had to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no return on that money. No, n- nothing. It wasn't going to give us anything. I mean, right. yeah, it, it was following all the all the rules and all the SAG guidelines and all the COVID protocols, but it wasn't adding, like, another cast member. It wasn't adding more to the camera department. It wasn't adding shit. So it's right. like, why are we doing this? Yep. So we, we shut, shut that shit down. Yeah, we shut it down. The excitability of making the movie didn't outweigh 
the practicality of not making it right. Make that as a business. Yeah, right. my original thought That's of right. the night right there, there buddy. Yeah, yeah. So you can write that down. <laughs> because the sideability of making the movie did not outweigh the practicality of no. not making the movie. Mm-hmm. The downside of that was we almost lost our DP. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think about did. that. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> because of scheduling conflicts, yeah. That's right. Because yeah. we had him locked in for this time to this time, and we had to push it for a year. And we almost didn't get him because he had another commitment, a big commitment. I It was like shooting for a documentary. I don't remember what it was exactly, or, or a network shoot, but it was a big deal. And I was going to let him out of it because when, when we started up again, you know, we had a, a long conversation, and he said, all right, Greg, let me, let me ask you this. If I don't shoot this film, will you be able to make this film? And I said, do you want the honest answer or do you want the answer that will make me feel better telling you? He's like, give me the truth. I said, no, if you don't shoot it, Eric, we're fucked. And I told him, and I hate to say this because I don't want to take money out of your pocket because you had a shooting gig. If you don't shoot it, I don't know who we're going to get because we needed a veteran DP who understood shooting at this independent level and could stretch every dollar like it was made out of rubber. And we couldn't use a fresh-faced kid because they, they, it wouldn't have worked. And let me tell you, the director and director-photography relationship is critical on any film. And I've worked with DPs before who were very talented, but we didn't see eye-to-eye. And, and the film, it, it doesn't work. You have to be joined at the hip. You have to think almost exactly the same. You have a shorthand with Eric. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I knew Stanzi from things he had done before and through your relationship with him, but I didn't understand until I saw the final product and even going through the process that Stanzi was the right guy that we needed him. Yeah. Because I didn't understand the film with the way it had to be shot and then the budget we were on and all that coming together. That was so key. And I, I honestly, I was like, why? Right? Well, we're doing this. And I think I even questioned you guys several times. I'm going, well, what do you mean we're not going to do this? We just get somebody else or we'll do something else. Or we're doing, and you're like, no. I'm holding tight on Stanzi, and we have to do it here. It doesn't get made. And I'm just like, okay, you know, eventually I have to come around to the team and understand that, but holy cow, I, I didn't get that dynamic, and now I do. Yeah, I mean, a good director of photography, a good cinematographer, doesn't give two shits about gear. He doesn't give a shit about, you know, the fanciest lights and the fanciest camera. A good cinematographer can make do with practically nothing and make it look spectacular. I'm not saying that just because you use $10,000 lights and $50,000, $100,000 cameras that you're a lesser cinematographer. I'm saying that a good indie-thinking DP can work with very little and can pull it off. And Stanzi did that in a spectacular fashion. Yeah, so we got him on board for the second time around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a good thing we couldn't start that movie a year before because we actually really weren't ready. No, we weren't. I mean, I think the contacts that I made with just calling people to try to find out who could be a COVID officer for us, it was it was a great yeah, the, time the, for us as, as far as like the time we needed. The one thing that gave me fits throughout the entire waiting period was this one location in particular. Hmm. Because, okay, the movie's called Red Night at Skies, which takes place, by and large, in Skies Pawn Shop. Skies Pawn Shop was written to be one location. It's got some very specific things, but it could not be one location. Because in a Hollywood film, you can just build a set, right? In Fight Club, that house that Tyler Durden lived in, they built that. That wasn't a real house. That was a set. The specific things that I didn't think we could find, we found them all Crazy. and put them together into one into one thing. 
but this whole time I am sweating bullets that we're going to lose this gallery location. Mm -hmm. It was a, a non-functioning art gallery and event space that had been closed for like a year. It's perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> and, and the whole time, man, I am just thinking... I'm going to get any day now, I'm going to call this. I'd call them like once every month or two. Hey, you know, we're still going forward and, you know, this such and such date. Oh, okay, great. And I was just expecting any time when I made that call that I'm going to hear, oh, yeah, sorry, we sold the building or oh, we, better, we did something else with it. It's or, new management and, you, you know, we, we wouldn't have it. So, man, when we finally got to shoot in this location, it was such a relief when we were done with it. That, that, uh, building super whoever the building manager that went and met me that day yeah hey i didn't think he was showing up because i was sitting there i think i texted too and i was just like man i'm sitting under the coldest dude such but then when i got there he gives me the key and he's just like here you go yep. just call me call me when you're done he gave me how many keys you need i was yeah, like that two location had bathrooms yeah plural it's warm <laughs> good lighting heat water uh, upstairs, yeah. downstairs, everything you needed. Uh, Lots of space nah. where people could spread out. Yeah. And we could set up food, and it was it was great. And thank God for that space, because there were times when I definitely needed it on set, being producer and actor on that movie. And we get into that in a little bit, but man, yeah. Yeah. you, you got to have your own little space every now and then but, to to get get where you need to be. No, that's just you brought back a lot of memories yeah, on, on that one. And we're just I'm just like, man, what's this guy gonna say to me? What is he gonna make me sign in nothing? Hands me a couple keys. He's like, yeah, when you're done, just do this with him. Yeah, cool. I don't even, I don't cool, even think buddy. he he looked at our uh, insurance no, certification. We had I had the whole envelope. I mean, I yeah. had the whole packet ready to go for this dude. And this yeah, dude's just like, he didn't know me from Adam. And just... on on indie films, you you meet those people. I mean, because we've talked about the suck quite a bit. You know, about locations falling out from under you and getting pulled and people freaking out. But on the other hand, you meet people who are like, yeah, whatever, burn the place down, I don't give a shit. Right. You don't get that on a bigger budget film. People have their hand out because they expect to be paid. Like, you go to L.A., everything costs, you know, God knows how much money mm -hmm. to rent it. In a smaller Midwest market, people think, yeah, movies, that's cool. Yeah, sure, you can use my place, you can use whatever, do whatever you want. I don't care, wreck the car, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I've met those people, and that's awesome. But even our crew, as much as they gave, um, who Kathleen on our wardrobe, yeah, just the the time she gave and the things she brought together and the things she was able to pull together, I, I mean, under underpaid for sure on some of this stuff. But the talking about that, it's just not locations and that kind of stuff. But you do just meet these people that just want the the project to succeed. I yeah, mean, it's awesome. And and you know every. Uh... Every filmmaker I've ever heard, they talk about, oh, my wonderful cast and crew. And, and you know what? Those things are usually true. Indie, an independent film, a true independent film. I mean, a, a, a studio film, yes. But a true independent film, it definitely becomes a family. And, and people have to pull more than their weight. And people have to wear more than one hat. And, and people have to step up. And, and the people... The people who can't do that, they, they bail out quick. They sort themselves out really fast. I, I think they get in over their heads or they didn't realize what it was going to be about, right? Because they, maybe they've never done any film before. you got the people that have never done it before that love it and are all in. Then you get the people that have never done it before and they're like, eh, not for me because they're not getting paid or they're not getting this or there's well, long good, hours. The good thing about the, the cast and crew from Red Knight when we started shooting and and the previous year when we were going to shoot most everybody was the same we did lose a cast member or two we did lose a crew member or two 
Uh, but for the most part, everybody stuck with us throughout that year because we kept letting them know we're, we're still planning on going forward. We just have to wait for the COVID thing to die down a little bit before we can get really rocking and rolling on this. Yeah, we were able to keep all locations, too, for most part. Um, talk about finding the perfect location with the, uh, the, the one element we needed in the movie. <laughs> so we, we, needed a, we needed a trap door. There you go. And we thought, I don't know if anyone is familiar with uh, Evil Dead. So the cabin in Evil Dead, the trap door leads down to the basement. That was only like three or four feet deep. Right? That was a different set. So we thought we're going to have to build this whole other false floor because we're not going to be able to find a place that, that has that element. And Brock and I happened to be talking to the owner of one of the locations, and we're just kind of saying, yeah, we need to find a place with a trap door, but that doesn't exist. He's like, oh, well, I've got one of those. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> we had to move about 2,000 pounds of transmissions and uh, engine blocks off of it, and yeah. I smashed Brock's finger when yeah. we were doing it. But we found it, and it worked. It worked great. Yeah, the location is actually the pawn shop had the trap door we needed to have in a fucking pawn shop. Right, yeah. It, <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's not, well, you got to, I mean, I think you got to talk to people about what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't mention that yeah. to him, right? We probably, I mean, yeah, who knows I, what we would have said. I, I wrote this script with that element knowing that this is going to be a pain in the ass, that we're probably not going to find it. We're going to have to build it. Right. But I kept it in there anyways. Right. And it, it just so happens that it worked out perfectly. No, it was, it was, that was pretty key for us. Uh, I, I wish we could publish a book on the text messages when we were looking for locations. Oh, fuck. Because that and finding, what, the trailer? Yeah. Which, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, think about <laughs> it. We, we live in Missouri. Lived in Missouri. I think we've all lived in Missouri for our whole lives. Mm. It's the Midwest. There's lots of trailer parks. We could not, for love or money, oh find a fucking trailer or a trailer park. We went through so much grief yeah. trying to find this one location, this key location. We thought it would be the easiest one to get. Yeah, we did. We, we thought, oh, we'll get that, no problem, yeah. no sweat. Yeah. And it was almost down to the wire when it turns out, out where I grew up in Imperial, Missouri, it was a trailer that I hung out in when I was 16 years old. It was a friend of mine, his his grandmother used to live in this place, and he used to live with his grandma. So we were kids, and we were, you know, teenagers, and I remember hanging out there, listening to Black Sabbath, and, and puking in the back bedroom <laughs> from drinking beer, and it was, it was a trip to be in there, like, many, many, many years later, making a movie. Yeah. The puke was still in the back room. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but, but that discovered mouse turds, though. But that location, right? We got to use the porch or the backyard of the house up the road. Yeah. For a scene, and we could pull uh, Bill's trailer on there. It was like nobody was coming to bother us because we had our own gate to yeah. get in there. I mean, it was like unbelievable how it, we just backwards into that. We didn't even backwards into it. We just kept asking people, and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, I got this one. This is all. God, it worked yeah, out so Yeah, it's a closed well. set because it's a gated worked, trailer community. Yeah, it worked yeah, out it, so freaking well. It just so happened to my friend uh, Sean, who own, lives on the property, uh, he also does scrapping as a side job, so he was able to get us so much free production design stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was good to have. Yeah, I mean, he it was awesome. He's oh, you need this? I can get you this. You need that? I can get you that. You need old monitors, old TVs, old pawn shop sign? I can get you that. Yep. And yep. He, he came through with all this stuff. I know. 
That's when you call me, you're like, yeah. Maggie. We gotta, yeah. take, gotta take your car. We're going going to pick up some stuff. We for gotta the go pick shop. up some junk for the pawn shop. <laughs> That's what he, nobody he, tells you. He is one of the, one of the guys that showed up with the you know hammers and nails to build that damn clubhouse. Yeah. So hey, talk about a little bit about the the tight production schedule. Uh, like how many days we shoot this in? I was trying to think back. We got two four day blocks. And we two... we shot this in sixteen days, which was complete insanity. And let me, I'll tell you this. I think only one or two days were super long, like 18-hour days. Right. Almost all of it was done within a, a 10 or 12-hour Yeah, like time a normal, frame. what you would think on a normal set. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me tell you, that speaks to the, the skill of the crew and the cast busting ass. Yeah, so we really planned out and stuffed as much as we could in those days. Because honestly, we needed we needed double that. Yeah, no, easily. Right, but I mean, we knew that going in, and that's what we always say: is add more days, you add more money, you add more time. Right? Yeah, Every, everything yeah. just kind of just didn't have that multiplies. Budget. Yeah, no. Every, every day you add is more money, and that's basically how we had to do it, knowing what we were raising for this film. We took the amount of money divided by the amount of days. This is what we can afford. This is what we can do, yeah. minus our talent. I, I love the way we kind of worked all that out on that tight schedule, understanding you're going to have some long days. And, uh, you know, I've done the 22, 23, 24-hour shoots. I've done that. I did not want to do that this time. You know what, though? I, I think the way the rest of it went is prepared as I thought we were. A, you could plan for contingencies, yeah. which we had to. Of course, everybody does. The day was raining, you know, just different things like that. But B, I think that as well as some of the other days went, I think people were wondering where the long days were going to come from. So, That's you know true. What I mean? Things so, are going pretty smooth. Exactly. And, and when you did have a long day, it wasn't too much of an ask. We really only had a couple of super hard days where, where things went a little haywire. One is a, it's in a biker house where we had an effect shot, and <laughs> man, it's like someone gets stabbed and blood is supposed to squirt, and so I'm talking to our effects guy, and we put plastic over everything. Like, we cover this whole kitchen in plastic. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, hey man, wh where is this blood going to go? And he's like, uh, yeah, I really don't know. I'm like, huh, okay. He's like, I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the pumps, and it's going to go where it's going to go. I don't know what to tell you. I'd be lying if I told you I knew what it was going to do. I'm like, okay, fair enough. And and then call action and it hits the blood pumps and it goes everywhere but the plastic. Everywhere. Yeah. It's like all over the ceiling and the wall. I'm just kind of looking at it like, oh. And somebody lives fuck. in this house. Yeah. No, yeah. This, guy, this guy was waiting for us to leave. Yeah. He, he, he'd done his time. Yeah. He was very nice. <laughs> and and uh, oh, I'm just, a... I was just at like for. Uh, a good couple seconds, I'm just standing there in stupefied disbelief. Like, wow, this this did not go anywhere I thought it was going to go. There's just blood everywhere, and, and we got to clean this shit up. Yeah, and you got to stop everything. I thought we was going to have to buy paint, do all this shit the next day, yep. and we didn't have it the next day. We, we yeah. move on. No, that's so, that's yeah. a great that's a Lucky great example of we borrowed something from the, we borrowed this guy's house. Yeah. We've already probably overstayed our welcome. Yes. He was a saint. He was very patient. Well, with he had us. to get up and work in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And, and we got to get the shots, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden, bam. And what was it, an hour delay? I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And then we had extras who we held back, who their biker oh extras who were waiting. And they're like, they're not film people, so they're antsy. They want to go. Uh, and it was just, it was grim. 
No, I, I don't think anybody we're talking to out there on the podcast world has they they've probably experienced everything we're talking about. Yeah, here, but they it, all still enjoyed it for the most part. I think uh, they, all the bikers I'd s- spoken to, and we really got lucky getting all those bikers. <laughs> I mean, we did. Everything was just perfect. We had enough room for all. We could have had 200 if we wanted to, but I had to tell them because they were going to bring the whole damn Oh, my crew. God. We I barely said, no, control we the people we had out there. I think what did we have, 30, 40 maybe or so bikers. We had something like that. We had a ton of bikers, and, and, and there was. you're right, there was no real control on them. No. Yeah, no, they were going to do what they were going to do because, what, you had a wedding the night before and all the beer was still left over? Yeah, so, so what happened is we had a, a wedding on our property uh, the night before. as an outside wedding, and there's a great big tent, and there's like a big trough of beer left over from the night. So I just talked to the people who had gotten married, and I said, hey, I'll buy the rest of this beer from you if you don't mind just leaving it here. I'm like, Okay. They were just gonna, you know, keep it or drink it, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, gave them a couple hundred bucks for all this beer, and they let us use the where the reception area was under this great big tent as a staging area. It was perfect. So, had tables set out and chairs, so their bikers had a good time. Yeah, and it was on us to shoot. Before, yeah. <laughs> before now, they got I, too I out think, of control. I think after we wrapped up at the end of the night, me and you walked down there and drank a couple of beers. Cause, oh yeah. Because it was it was a hard ass night with that blood and all that shit. That was that was rough. We did. Yeah. We had a few beers. Yeah. But when you're shooting on that tight of a schedule, it's like you have to stay until that's because there's no either a we're not getting the house again. So what do yeah. you do now? Or B, it's like you don't, you can't come back to that location because either everybody's already got other days scheduled. You know, we just can't. It's it's very tough shooting on the schedule like that. It is. And, it's crazy. And the other thing, at this level, the key production people, the the director and the key producers, you got to be first one on set and the last one to leave. And any kind of bullshit, any kind of cleaning up trash or whatever, that's got to be on you. You know, it's 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 not like you know you're you're George Lucas and you show up like a king and you you make your proclamations and then you leave. It's like no, no. We had great PAs though. We did, and, and learning how to delegate some of that responsibility to them because that's what they do. Oh yeah, right. I mean that's that's a, that's a very yeah. important thing. That's that's something I've learned over the years is to delegate. You have to delegate. Mm-hmm. You cannot do everything. It, it's it's you know simple things like. Crew eats first. On every film set I've ever been on as a director, director meaning me eats last. I'll I'll eat cold pizza. I want everyone else to be taken care of before me because, you know, it's my vision or whatever. But I mean that's how it has to be. Is you gotta be the first one there and the last one to leave. And if anything sucks, you gotta be the first one to take that suck. Yeah, if we mismanage our lunch a little bit and there's not enough, and like we did that one day a little bit, we and uh you, know, you and I didn't have a whole lot to eat, but I think yeah. you went and got, Mackie went out and got some more food. Well, it's just a matter of man and timing the lunches out and yeah. figuring out what your production schedule you guys are on as opposed to where we said we were going to be on. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot of pieces that go into it, and especially when, again, you're shooting on such a tight schedule, um, which I'm impressed with uh, that we were able to get this movie done. We had a handful of locations. I know primarily we had the two. Right. Uh, but we did also have a few smaller locations we got to jump around from you know different pawn shops um, yeah the restaurant and so we did do some jumping around it's not like we did all 16 days in one location where the cameras no no, no no that no, would have been no. great but no <laughs> yeah. no but i will say we got lucky on this one because we did get to go in on pre-setup days which normally we don't have right stansy was able to get in there early oh, and, and pre-set up his lighting right. which saved us some time well, that was you know because he's a he's a veteran so that was his insistence he's like okay you know 100 i want to do this but you got to give me at minimum two days to pre-light yep 
So with having the keys, I just give him a key and yeah. he's like, just go on in and do it. And uh, I think what he came up to me and he's just real timid. And he's just like, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I know we didn't talk about these preset up days, but uh, he goes, uh, you think production can cover the lunches for this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Eric, absolutely. You saved us hours and, and of that's, time and days. But just being so humble about. That is the amazing thing about Stanzi. Because the guy is incredibly accomplished and he's been doing this for many years. A good decade longer than I've been doing it. And he is just the most humble guy you're ever going to meet. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm glad that Gregor wrote that uh, part for me. I'm glad I was able to produce it. And uh, I'm glad you were, you came on board with Cruiser and decided to stick with this and now oh, part, yeah. eight, part of 88 millimeter now too. Because it really takes the three of us to, to really get it done. We still had to delegate and find other people to help us out throughout the whole journey. Man. Oh, yeah. And, and that whole crew and that whole cast, I mean... They stepped up. I'm proud of the. I'm proud of it. I know everybody with their independent film talks. You know, is a, you know, everybody at heart. You know, and this and that, and it's true. It really is. A, it, you get people with a lot of heart, and, a, and they share your vision, and uh, they don't mind the 18 hours, as long as it's not every damn day. Yeah. Right. You know, they they know this. They're working uh, to make something really cool. To be a part of something uh, bigger than just them for the day and i think people they, they can tell when they're on a good set mm-hmm. when they're when there's a good vibe and and people care about what they're making that it's it's not you know we're not just doing this we're not just cranking out uh, a turd to make a couple bucks yeah and i think we did a good job explaining to them of where we're going to go with the film before they got on board and what this film is all about and the formula we put together and we keep talking about the formula mm-hmm. we'll dive into that a little bit more in another episode but i'm excited about continuing to talk about this right. this movie red night of skies i don't know can we talk about anything else yeah i know what we're gonna talk about <laughs> what's that chris we're gonna talk about the highs the lows and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the any film sucks podcast brought to you by 88 millimeter productions in other words us and you know it's on all the social shit stuff Facebook, Spotify. Like and share. Like, like, smash that like button. Peace. All right. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the indie film sucks.